0: To us yet again to come to another Christmas week. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Christmas is such a special time. Uh, it's, it's a time that announces itself everywhere in the world. Everywhere you go, you see God's people. Uh, you see people celebrating Christmas. I have been in shopping malls in Muslim nations, as it were, Islamic nations, and Christmas music playing. At Christmas time, it's a mystery. We must know that there is a God in heaven who truly is God indeed, and his Son is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we celebrate Christmas, and I want to thank God for your lives. If this is your first time of worshiping with us, you are very welcome. I want you to know that you will be uh, welcome in a special way very shortly, and we want to thank God for you. And I want to thank God for you for being in the service today, and uh, we want to bless the name of the Lord. For those who are joining us on LiveGate Outreach TV and uh, our Buzzsprout channels, our audio channels on um, Buzzsprout and also on um, uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iOS and Android, I want to say God bless you. You are very welcome to listen to this message and we thank you for your testimonies and everything that you share with us from time to time about the doings of God in your life. A few weeks ago, about eight weeks ago, we started a series on creative prosperity principles. Creative prosperity principles. And as you know, many of you who have been in this church for some time will know that we take series very seriously every time we have a different set of series because God has given us a structured approach to learn his word. And um, God is helping us to be uh, a teaching church. We are growing into it. And it is an anointing, it is a grace. Not every church can operate like that. I understand some churches are more of ministry, some churches are more of evangelistic, some churches are more of uh, apostolic, and so on. But God is helping us to develop as a teaching church. Now, every church will do every, every one of those things. We've been on evangelism, as you know, we're an outreach church, so it's not that we don't do those things, but we have a mandate to teach the word of God. And so this series has concentrated on creative prosperity principles and we have defined the meaning of prosperity from scripture. And we have also looked at these different things that God wanted us to consider in the last eight sessions on the principles. So I won't go over them again. They're all online, as you know. But on this session, we are looking at the creative prosperity principle of kingdom pursuit. I know it's a bit of a mouthful. But um, that's what it is. It is the creative prosperity principle of kingdom pursuit or the pursuit of the kingdom. We need to understand very clearly that the celebration of Christmas is all about a kingdom. Christmas is not just about the celebration of the birth of a child. Very true, it is about that, but that's not all it is. That child came to establish a kingdom here on earth. And it's very important. And that kingdom is the mandated kingdom for us to pursue. Now there is a kingdom on the earth. There are several kingdoms on the earth. We are living in a kingdom. This is called the United Kingdom. At least at this point in time, it's still united with all the nations in. Some nations wanting to leave. But that's a separate matter. But the reality is that there are kingdoms all over the earth. There is the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There are kingdoms everywhere. There is the United Arab Emirates, which is also like a kingdom of seven uh, uh, nations, and so on and so forth. Now, we have kingdoms and states. Every state is like a kingdom. And systems of the world are also kingdoms. But there is a kingdom of God, also known as the kingdom of heaven. There is a kingdom of God that God himself orchestrates in the heavenlies, And his intention is to let that kingdom also have dominion here on earth. Ultimately, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. But at this point in time, there is an agenda of God through prayer, through conversion of you and I and people becoming saved to continue to establish that kingdom gradually here on earth. That is why the Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. So when we get into that kingdom, we are rescued from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And God's intention is that we continue to manifest and produce that kingdom and the effect of it to everyone around us. So we have to be people who continue to pursue this kingdom. So this penultimate session, and particularly as we celebrate Christmas this week, we would like to reflect that Christmas is really all about this kingdom. Whilst we know that a lot of meanings have been given to Christmas, some of you have bored you with this story, I'm sure, but it really shocked me when about 19 years ago, 18 years ago, I was having a conversation with somebody in Wolverhampton and he said, Somebody said, in this country, somebody said, these Christians, why are they always talking about Jesus, 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 every time Jesus, that we even have Christmas. They say, Jesus, can't we just do Christmas without this Jesus? <laughs> and that really shocked me. I never heard a thing like that. I never imagined that in my life I would ever hear a thing like that because, you know, I was born and raised to understand that Christmas was about christ mass. You know, that was one of the simplest things we were told. But you see, the devil has so convoluted and twisted the story and the message of Christmas to the point where we're hearing things like this in our lifetime. It's a mystery. But what that means is that we all have a job to do in making our world to understand what Christmas really is. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, I'm sure is being read across pulpits on a Sunday like this and throughout this week because this is one of the most prophetic Uh, insightful declarations of the coming of Jesus Christ that is so significant. Let's read together from verse 6. Let's go. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's stop there for some time then we'll read verse 7 later. Now the Bible says unto us a child is born like I've always said thank God for the born child but thank God much more for the given son. What we do in Christmas in a way is to mark the arrival of the born child but what we do at Easter in a way is to mark and remember the uh, gift of the given son the one that was given as a sacrifice for us. There are two different things. It is not the baby that went to the cross. It was a full-grown man who knew exactly what he was doing and laid down his life. You see, if the baby was sacrificed by Joseph and Mary, it would have been more controversial because people would have given it all kinds of, def- all kinds of interpretation. They would have said it was just sacrificed like any other child. As a matter of fact, when he was born, children were being killed by Herod, isn't it? But the Bible makes us to understand, way before he was born, that he would be a born child and he would be a given son. Hallelujah. But it didn't end there. He, the next thing he talked about is what? The government. You are looking at it. Come on, see it. And the, and the, and the, and the government. As far as that is concerned, that talks about rulership. That talks about the kingdom. That's why when he taught his disciples to pray, he said they should pray, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is what? For thine is what? Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. Lord God Almighty, you own this kingdom. But God said, Isaiah, through Isaiah, he said that kingdom that is his is going to be having a government placed on the shoulder of Jesus Christ. He said, and that government of that kingdom will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now verse 7. This now, this prophecy now shows how this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Let's read it together. He said, of the increase of his government and peace... There will be no end. Hallelujah. That's very important. Of the increase, not just of his government, of the expansion. So the day you you got born again and the day I got born again and we came into that kingdom, it was an expansion. We joined the number of the governors in that kingdom. We join the number of the army, the soldiers who belong to that kingdom. He said of the increase of his government. So the power, the number in the government, and the influence of his peace. He said there will be no end. Every one kingdom on earth has a beginning and has an end. That's why you see countries that, 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 that people ruled for 30 years, 40 years. One day the person still goes... Whether he died by death or somebody still kicks him out, <laughs> anyway. You know, kingdoms of this world always have an expiry date. But the Bible says this kingdom there will be no end. And it is upon the throne of David over his kingdom. Every time you see the name David, it's not just referring to David as in King David. It's talking about Jesus Christ who descended in the natural descent from the lineage of King David and over his kingdom. He said to order it and establish it with judgment, justice from this time forward forever. The Lord of hosts will perform this. Praise the Lord. So when the the, the birth of Jesus was to be announced, the shepherds, there were some shepherds that the Bible makes us to understand. Like we read in Luke chapter 2. Those listening to this by audio or watching by video, we read in our Bible reading Luke chapter 2 from verse 8 to verse 20. But I want to just pick a few verses now. Verse 8. It said, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Somebody say "Ordinary ordinary people. Everyone is born an ordinary person. And the message of the cross is sent to everyone in their ordinary state. These people were just doing their thing like many of us are. And will be doing, just doing their thing. The Bible says, and then, verse 9, let's read together. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, this fear is symbolic of what we are experiencing in our day and age. It may not be expressed as fear. It may be expressed in other words. It may be expressed in confusion. It may be expressed in postmodernism. It may be expressed in relativism. It may be expressed in all kinds of theories that have now come about where there is a, an, an attempt to reject the supernatural presentation of Jesus Christ. It, it may be expressed in, in the, so many uh, schools of thought that, that says that, you know, there are many roads that lead to God. It may be expressed in those things. It has nothing to do with what you see. It's the same thing that is the fear. The fear that the enemy puts in the heart of people when the announcement of Jesus Christ is made. Have you ever noticed that you could be having a conversation with many people around the world today and the conversations will be going so well? But the moment, and you can talk about religion, the moment you, 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 you Try to establish the lordship of Jesus. You ruffle feathers. You can pray. You can pray anyhow. If you go, if you are in a pri- private function and you pray and you say in in God's name, everybody will say Amen. They will they will they will, they will shake your hands. But if you say in Jesus' name, some people go <laughs> <laughs> because that's the <a> sticking point. <laughs> that's the sticking. That's what the devil is afraid of. God has highly exalted him and has given him a name above every other name. That's where the problem is. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So every attempt for anyone to want to embrace that name and get that power that subdues him, he puts fear in their heart. Don't go that way. Don't do that. The Bible says, the angel said to them, the glory of the Lord shone, up and they were greatly afraid. Look at verse 10. And then the angel said, do not be afraid. This is not about you becoming afraid. He said, for behold, I bring you what? Good tidings of what? Great joy, which will be to what? All people. The intention of God is that Christ is a gift to all. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's reach is for all. God's desire is to reach all people. There is no secluded few that have the access or the privilege to enjoy Jesus Christ by themselves. Verse 10. Verse 11 now. He said, for there is born to you this day in the house of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. He is born a savior who is Christ the Lord. And the Bible says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find. What do so say? You will, you will find. You don't find what you, what, you, what you are not looking for. You will pursue you will look for, and then you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly, somebody it suddenly. suddenly. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, what did they say? Verse 14, let's shout it together. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That is all this kingdom has come to do. This kingdom has not come for your taxes. This kingdom has not come for your money. This kingdom has not come for you in, in the gifts that you have. It has not come for your ability to sing or my ability to, to preach. He has not come for any of those things. This kingdom has simply come to give you and I goodwill and to manifest peace on earth. Hallelujah. It's a goodwill to all men. What is goodwill? The intention of the devil is that as anyone is born into this earth as natural, they are snapped straight off into hell. And that is the bad news. Because that is what happens in the state where man refuses to come into a state of accountability and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. They, The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 17, that they are condemned. Now, it is the intention of the enemy to steal, to kill, and destroy that way. But the goodwill that Jesus brought is to rescue man from that dominion of darkness that beclouds their judgment, that binds their minds, makes it difficult for them to comprehend the things of God so that they cannot be saved. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the goodwill. Thank you. Verse 15 says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Let us go, let us pursue, let us make effort. And this is my main theme tonight. Everything I've been saying before now is introduction to the introduction. He said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Let us go and see. Every believer must understand that the principles that the shepherds are showing here is what we must understand. When the angels appeared to them, they did not stay in one place and say, oh, we have heard he's coming. Oh, wonderful. We have heard he's been born. Oh, what a good thing. Glorious thing. And more so, they saw the angels and the people dancing around them. They saw angels dancing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. They would have stood there like many people are staying on the fringes of the faith today. Not going and pressing further into the things of God. We must not stay at the announcement of what we can become and what we can behold in this kingdom. We must press on to achieve it. The Bible says they said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Too many Christians are dancing on the the fringes of prophecy. Too many Christians today are, are celebrating prophetic declarations from two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years to press in. The Bible says, "From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers what violence and the violent do what take it by force." They press on, they press on. So there is nothing. There is no new, improved version of Christianity. There is, not, there is nothing like, you know, prayer was for those days. There is nothing like evangelism is for a set of people or it was for those days. There is nothing like fellowship is for those things that, you know, those days that we were really seeking God. Many Christians in many nations of the world today, why are we not seeing Christians in, in some parts of the world like we see them flock to churches in other parts of the world? And I'm saying this very carefully, but why are we not seeing it? Because Christianity has been reduced to a bread and butter, give me, I take, I go kind of mentality. It has nothing to do with all those things. When you go to many countries today and you interview Christians going to church, ask them, why are you going to church? You say, I'm going to pray that God should give me a wife. That's the first thing that comes out. I am going to pray today. that God. That's why he's going to church today. I'm going to pray today that God should give me a car. Oh, I'm going to pray today in some countries that God should give me a visa. Believe me, visa is a big problem in some countries. You know that? A big big problem. That people do all night. <laughs> all night to get <laughs> and get just asking for visa. <laughs> I'm telling you. And that is what people have reduced Christianity to. We talk about a kingdom. A kingdom, a government. That has been born, a government that has layers upon layers, line upon line, that as we press in, we unearth the things that it has got for us, and we're able to grow stronger in it. The the Bible says "These people say, let us go. Let us go and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us, verse 16. And they came with haste. That's another thing. They came with haste. They came with determination. Now listen to me. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 28, it will be one of our scriptures for next week. He said that, I lay in Zion a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and they that believe it shall not make haste. But the Bible says these people came in haste. So there are things we don't make haste about, but there are things we make haste about. When it has to do with the kingdom, when it has to do with kingdom instructions, when it has to do with kingdom demands, when it has to be prophetic declarations, we must make haste. We must make haste. We must move. As soon as God is speaking and commanding something, the Bible says, they came with haste and they found. They were seeking, but they found. May you continue to seek and find. In the name of Jesus. It is commanded that when you seek, you will find. Matthew 7, 7. So, if you are not finding, it means you are not seeking. If you say, Pastor, you say, I'm not growing. My, I don't know why my life is like this. It means you are not seeking because when you seek, you find. When you seek determinedly, with haste, you find. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says, go straight to verse 20. And the shepherds returned. They did what? Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Basically, they encountered the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't forget, in Romans fourteen seventeen, the Bible tells us that for the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in what? In righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We spent three, three, three weeks looking at that early in the year. The Bible says these people came, they found that kingdom, they found its righteousness, and they came glorifying and praising God. They had the righteousness of God. They, they experienced the righteousness of God. They, they experienced the peace of God and his joy. This is the greatest hallmark of the kingdom. The pursuit of the kingdom is commanded. We read Matthew six thirty-three almost every week in this church, but it's so important. He said, But seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Those of us that learned from King James many years ago, even when we are speaking and they did not put the ye, the ye will come out somehow. (laughs) He said, but seek first the kingdom of God. King James said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's what King James does to you. Hallelujah. Now, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. If you read the preceding verses from verse 25 to verse 32, he said, don't worry about things. He said, the the lilies of the field, that who clothes them in their beautiful colors. And nobody does that, but God does it. And yet, even Solomon in all his beauty is not arrayed like one of them. He said, your heavenly father knows. He said, the Gentiles are seeking after food. They're seeking after clothing. He said, don't worry about those things because your heavenly father knows that you need those things. Now, in our contemporary times, it is so difficult to understand. People will say, but Pastor Dave, what do you mean? Are you saying that I should not work? Are you saying I should not do business? Are you saying I should not do the things that will earn me money? No, far from it. But understand that the priority is about seeking first. The one who says seek first, when you wake up every day of your life, committed first to God. That work you are going in, committed to God. Then the things that God is demanding in terms of that work, in terms of how you do it, in terms of the proceeds from it, and everything about it, you are making the kingdom first. And then you allow yourself to enjoy the things that are being added. I want you to know by the grace of God, friends. I am telling you what God has helped me to practice well over three decades now. And I have no regrets in pursuing this kingdom at all, whatsoever. I have never, if you know me today, you may think, oh, well, Pastor, you know, you've got this, you got that, you're okay. But if you know my story, you will know that it has never always been like this. And it won't even remain like this by the grace of God. If you know my story, you will understand where I'm coming from. And I plead with you, anytime I share any of my stories as brothers and sisters, I want you to understand. I am not trying to prove any point whatsoever. I don't need to. But Paul said the things that we have seen and heard and touched, those things we declare to you. It is easy for me to tell you the things I have experienced because I experienced it. It's easy to preach from the Bible, but it's easy for me, easier for me to say I, I, I learned it from the Bible and it worked for me. I want you to know that God is mindful of what you do. When you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you indeed. Many, many years ago, I just finished my youth service. I was just about 21 years old in my home country, Nigeria, and um, I didn't get a job immediately. I had a very good first degree. Some of my mates that had, even lesser in terms of grades, were getting jobs quicker than me. And it was a little bit of a frustration because we didn't have phones, but when we contacted each other, I heard this one was already in that place, this one was already there. And I found that somehow I wasn't getting a job. And so I went back to where my father was working. He was lecturing at a higher institution. And they used to run a summer school. And I said to him, I said, Dad, I want you to place his. He was a biologist. He is a biologist because he's still alive. He's a biologist, but he's retired now. And uh, I said, I, I don't, I can't teach biology, but put me in the maths uh, uh, to the maths head of department that I want to be teaching some of their subjects on part time. I can teach maths and physics because it's just like A level maths and physics at that level, and uh, because these candidates are like HNC people studying equivalent of HNCs, and. Uh, And I said, give me your camera. He bought a camera about 10 years before that time from from America when he was doing his PhD there. Fine camera, very, very nice lens. You can change lenses and it takes very good pictures. I said, give me your camera, I'll set up a studio. And I, I want to be, because I want to be earning money that I can, I go to church, I want to be able to give offering and all that. And he said that. So I put my camera on. And then when I do the one or two hours of teaching, I will teach the people. And then at the end, I will take their picture and collect their money on top of it. (laughs) I will take their picture again and collect their money. And then I will preach. I will preach. You know, this is Nigeria. We don't know some things we used to enjoy. Preach unlimited. Those days, nothing. I just stand there and say, you see. What most of you don't know is that Jesus Christ has come for you. <laughs> I'll just start like that. At the end of the class, after snapping their picture, collecting their money, I preached to them. Anyway, I continued that. the one lady saw me. He said, you are a disgrace to graduates. Believe me. I never forgot those words. She was doing her youth service that time. He said, David, you are carrying camera about and you are doing, are you not a civil engineer? I looked at her. I respected her. I said, "But I've looked for work. I didn't get, and I can't sit at home because I didn't get work to do. He said, you're a disgrace to graduates." It touched me. It touched me. But I thank God I did not react the way I would have reacted in in, in the flesh. (laughs) She would have never said that to anybody again in her life. I thank God I left it at that. I said, God be praised. But to cut the long story short, every time I'm reminded of that story, And I look back today. She said, I was a disgrace to graduates. But I have produced over 15 PhD students today to the glory of God. So far. And some are still coming through. I have produced more than 30. More than 30. Praise the Lord. More than 30 M-level students today to the glory of God. Hundreds of undergraduates to the glory of God. Built buildings worth over 150 million in dollars to the glory of God. You keep pursuing this kingdom. Whatever somebody is telling you today is irrelevant. They will call you a fanatic. They will call you a loon. When I stand on the streets in, 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 the city, in our town center and I'm preaching to people and sharing the word of God, some people will come and look at me as, who is this person? Like, like they look at all of our brethren. And I just smile. I just pray I don't meet one of my students one day and he's, he's surprised. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I will tell him, yes, this is the real life. This is the real life. Hallelujah. I want you to know that if you pursue this kingdom, everything will be added to you. Today, I fly nations, free of charge, invited by institutions of higher learning to come and deliver specialist lectures. Different countries, different times. In Europe, in Africa, and in the Caribbeans. To the glory of God. I want you to know that whatever God has said about you will come to pass. Just never stop seeking this kingdom. Those days, I will get 30 naira as my tithe. After collecting my teaching money, collecting the uh, money from photograph, everything together, 30 naira will be my tithes. And I will go to church. Reverend Collar, you have seen him here before. He's in, he's in Surrey, Virginia Waters. That's where his church is. I used to go to his church about 30 years ago back in Nigeria. And I will pay my tithes there. My mother's car was the only car that was in that church. Even Reverend did not have a car at that time. So I would take my mother's Volkswagen Beetle. So you know that car that can never die. You kill it, it will come back to life. <laughs> I will carry it to church. I will take Reverend home, bring him back, and then I will now start taking people home before I start driving home, just so that people can be wanting to come to church. I will, I will buy five naira those days, fuel, from the money I earned myself, and use it to run errands for people in the church. So if I have an aeroplane today, don't blame me. If God blesses me with a jet today, don't say I stole money. I didn't steal money. There is a story that God is building. Hallelujah. You know, people only see you when they see a snapshot of your life. They don't know where you started from. But keep seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are talking about creative prosperity principles, friends. There is no way navigating around this principle. It's one of the most difficult to teach in the body of Christ today because people say, how do I balance the two? But I want you to know that with the wisdom of God, you'll be able to balance it. Just keep God first and watch God take care of the rest. In the name of Jesus. We have to be determined about it. Even though we 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 are saved by grace through faith, And we have to be going by faith, but we have to be determined about it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads toward destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Verse 14. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult. Somebody said, Difficult. Believers don't like reading this kind of... If say, I say, shout, God bless you. Now all of you will shout. Let's read verse 14 together. Come on, everybody, let's go. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The word few, finding there, the words few, finding doesn't mean that it is closed to the others. It only means that there are few who are willing to identify with it. There are few who are willing to go the extra mile. Because that way is narrow and it's difficult. Many people don't want to be Christians today, not because they don't know that it is the right way, but because they can see the difficulties. (laughs) Hallelujah. They can see the difficulty. And so in the place of seeing the difficulty, only a few are left. Remember Gideon's army? Thirty-two thousand people say, "We go fight. We go fight. Let's go now." Hey, where are the enemies? The Gideon say, "All of you you are too many." He said, "God, these people are too many." God said to him, "Let me show you that they are not. They are not the number that you think they are." <laughs> he says, "Just tell them. Anybody who is afraid, let him go back home." And over twenty-nine thousand people at a go say, "Ah, this is it." <laughs> they went back home. Just fear, just afraid of the enemy, they went back home. And then by the time they reduced it and got down to the people who were really ready for war and ready to fight the way they ought to fight, strategically, they remained only 300. That is why the Bible says there are few who find it. Friends, I wish I can stand here and tell you Christianity is easy. I wish I can stand here and tell you ministry is walkover. There are many days, many, many days that you feel like giving up. You are not the only one. There are many days you question why things are happening around you. There was a time early last year, 2018. I've never questioned God to his glory. I pray I never have to question him like that. I ask him questions generally. But early last year was very thick for me. Very thick. Every front. Everywhere. Domestic church was having its own church. My domestic family was having its own. My extended family were experiencing their own. My father was hardly ever ill. Hardly. I've known him. He's 85 years old now. Hardly do they take him to hospital. All his teeth complete like somebody who was born <laughs> 10 years ago. Wonderful man. But he was, he, was, he was admitted to hospital. When I heard admission, my father, I was shaken. Because it never happens. He bounces like a ball. <laughs> but he was admitted that period. And so many things were thrown and I didn't even bother to share all that with my wife because we were going through so many things already. She didn't even know about that. And there are times the life is like that. You feel the pressure. You feel the pressure, the work pressure, the business pressure. They're all there. But you must understand that when you are in this difficult way, there is a God who said, He would. there's Jesus who said, he would never leave you nor forsake you. You must continue to hold on to him. Hallelujah. So that you don't fall by the wayside like the others. Verse 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father. To go on in this kingdom, you have to just keep doing the will of the father. Keep doing the will of the father. Keep doing the will of the father. The will of God is for you to prosper. You will prosper. The will of God is for you to serve him. You will serve him in the name of Jesus i will just quickly round up on some very important pursuit principles number 1 matthew chapter 13 verse 44 he said again the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for the joy of, of it over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field he goes somebody say he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The reason why many believers are not giving it a full throttle is because we have not seen the value on the other side. When you see the value, I have, I have reduced my life to kingdom. That's why I feel serving God by easily, by God's grace every day. Because I have understood that that is, that is my blood. Ask my children, ask my wife, I tell them every time, this is my life, this is all. If I lose serving God, I've lost all. If I lose God, I've lost all. I don't have anything. I've never had anything. Anything. But I found that the more I anchor on Him and I keep pursuing, the, it's easier for me to lay aside those things, sell all those things, as it were. When He says He sold all that He has and buys that field, He's talking, when He talks about kingdom, it's talking about kingdom mysteries. Kingdom mysteries. So the first principle there is going after kingdom mysteries by sacrifice. Listen, friends. The Bible says the secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy you know 29, 29. But those things which are revealed are revealed for, the sons, for, for men and the sons of men. They are revealed by God, even though they belong to God. God is not being wicked by holding back mysteries. God was not wicked when he told the shepherds to go and look for the babe. It is like the same thing. You go after mysteries. The more the hidden mysteries or hidden treasures of the kingdom that you find, the less you find yourself attaching yourself to the things and the frivolities of this world. It becomes easier. When you understand the mysteries, every one phrase in the word of God is a mystery. Matthew 6.33 is a mystery. How can I be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How do all other things get added unto me? But until you understand that mystery, it doesn't deliver to you. Until it is not just a memorized verse. It never works for you. But when you are doing it with understanding of that mystery, because you have sold everything about your sense knowledge, you have let go everything about your flesh, and then it starts to deliver for you. It starts to work for you. I was telling you last week here, I was prophesying. By God's grace, I just, I just you know, was led to, to share that many important things were going to happen in the week. And something I needed to do, something I really needed to do, you know, I was not planning for it, not thinking about it. Didn't even know that particular way was going to happen. On Monday, I just got a phone call. And the person called me and he said, please, can you still do this for me before Christmas? And I said, that's fine, we'll do it. And we sorted it out. But you know something? I was just doing something that God has called me. And many times I have been doing that. I've told you the story of my first job in this country. I was preaching to people, praying that God should give them job. Praying that God should give them the the things of life as they're serving God. In a church in Wolverhampton, I finished preaching. Then somebody walks up to me and says, I want to give you a job. I didn't go to the person. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's a mystery. I'm not saying don't apply for job. Don't say, pastor say... Just be preaching, somebody will come and take That's not what I've said, (laughs) because (laughs) you always have to qualify this thing. (laughs) Somebody will hear it online. Say that pastor in Warsaw said, stop applying for job. (laughs) Just be preaching. That's not what I said. But I want you to know that when you are doing whatever God calls you, if God calls you to be cleaning this place, and let's put our hands together for the people that cleaned this place yesterday and this weekend. Very good job. Thank you so much. I Want you to know that if God says that's what you should be doing, just do it, do it because there is something attached to those things that will be added as you are doing it for the kingdom. I pray God will open your eyes to see them. They are called hidden treasures, they are called mysteries. When the Bible says, Give and it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running to running over, shall men add to your bosom. Luke 6:38. It's a mystery. How can you be giving and giving and giving, and then men are now pouring into you? How does it work? Who are the men? Where are they coming from? Leave that to God. <laughs> Leave that to God. When he said, now, if it is you, bid me to come, and he said, come, and the man stepped out on water. From that point, he did not think about how he will float on water anymore. Your own duty is to step out of the boat. Hallelujah. Number two, Matthew, we're well, reading Matthew 13 from verse 45 now. That's the second principle. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold. Again, you see that word? Went and sold all that he had and brought it. He went and sold all that he had and bought it. Beautiful pearls refer to kingdom benefits. Things that you can see. The Bible talks about divine health. The Bible talks about God that is the one that gives us power to get wealth. The Bible talks about peace. The Bible talks about joy. These are things that we have seen. And if you have seen it, there is a way you can sell all that you have. When the Bible talks about all that you have, I want you to know it's not just about physical possessions. Many times it is about your mind. The things that need to be sold away from your mind. Especially those of us who are highly intellectual. You see, I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm an academic, and uh, I can talk. If I'm not one, you will say, you don't, I, I don't know what I'm saying, that's why. <laughs> so I can say that. Academics have a very high level of intellectual capacity, especially in what they do. But sadly, they think that that means they know everything. I used to fight my father for that. Because of that, I did not want to be an academic. Believe me. Because of that. Because I saw all my father's mates who were lecturers, I saw they would be arguing and talking and they didn't have money. <laughs> and they didn't have money. I said, what's wrong with these people? Then I'll see those other brothers who were contractors, who barely finished secondary school in church, changing cars every week. I was studying there. I was only eight years old. <laughs> I was studying there. I said, these academics are very, They're annoying. They think they know everything and they don't know anything. (laughs) So I didn't want to be an academic at all. (laughs) But God knows how he does these things. Hallelujah. But then I found one. I've told you his story before. It's my great uncle, Auntie Shade's uncle, really. I call him my uncle. But it's Auntie Shade's uncle, late uncle now. And uh, I saw for the first time how a person could be an academic and be a businessman. I told you one man influenced me in ministry, Reverend Ojaye. He influenced me in ministry. He did ministry and orthopedic nurse. Then this man showed me how I saw from his life. I never asked him one question, I was just watching. He was also an academic, but every year his family was going to London, going to this. I said, Ah, me, I like this kind of academic. <laughs> and this one academician is different from the others. <laughs> So I followed his footsteps and learned that he used sense to set up business and do things around academia. I said, ah, that is the way to go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Academia. But it is just something you see and you press into. God puts it around you. It is something you see. It is a kingdom principle that you see. I read of my father, King David, in the Bible. I say, how does this man donate billions to the work of God? Just by simply praising God and serving God, then I saw how he used to fight war and he used to gather the spoils of war. And a lot of those things were investments. They gather gold, gather things. I said, this is the secret of this man. (laughs) He never told us, but that is his secret. When they plunder in war, it was allowed in his time because he was a warrior. When they plunder, they get things that are of high value. And they were able to trade those things. And then his skills, he was a musician. His skills, he was a poet. He could write things. So he must have been making money from different ways by reason of the anointing of God upon his life. These are called kingdom benefits. They are pearls of great price. Sell all that you have. Sell your intellectualism. Sell your, your, your spirituality, in quote. I'm not saying don't be spiritual, but some of us are too spiritual for God. Even God say, come down, come down, (laughs) come down, let me talk to you. (laughs) Not come up. You know, God used to say, come up here. But some of us have gone so high that God is saying, come here, come, come. (laughs) He said, this is where where I am. You have now gone to the other side. (laughs) You know, then you need to understand what God wants to do friends every comfort of the kingdom of god must be purchased with earthly discomfort if you are not ready to inconvenience yourself you can never be an active kingdom pursuer never since this church started i i hardly ever sleep well saturday sunday not that i don't sleep but i mean i don't sleep as in normal sleep at all i don't i inconvenience myself in many ways but I'm getting the kingdom benefit by the grace of God in every way. You have to inconvenience yourself. You have to. You cannot find it easy to pray. Don't say, Pastor has gift to pray, that's why. There's nothing like that. Say <laughs> that man, ah, he has gift to pray. When he just starts like, not, there's no gift about it. <laughs> it's discipline and hard work. <laughs> When we're on Zoom and you see me 5 a.m. there waiting for you to log on, don't say, ah, oh, pastor has anointing. He, he. He has it has nothing to do with anointing. Thank God for anointing. but It's called discipline and hard work. Many times by 7, I'm already on my way to London. And we're having those meetings and we're praying vigorously an hour before. Many times by 7, I'm already almost at Milton Keynes. Many times. Or at an airport. Many times I've joined you from Dubai, from Miami. I've joined you from Hong Kong. I've joined you from everywhere, praying with you. Only when I don't have the chance to be able to physically participate. It takes discipline. It takes planning. It takes effort. Something must come out of you. And when God puts the money in your hand, never be afraid to give it to the things of God. If you can spend 5,000 pounds on yourself without thinking twice, and you put 100 pounds to God, and you are sweating... Something is wrong. <laughs> you put it like that as if your hand wants to break. <laughs> Something is wrong. But you can, sign, you can give them the number of your card 51302211. They say, How much? You, you know that's 4,500. They say, Yes, swipe it. <laughs> but when it comes to God, they say, Put it 150.25. <laughs> no, check it. Check it. David said, far be that I give to God, what costs me nothing. If I can go on a holiday that costs me 5,000 pounds, I must never give God anything less. In one year. These are the secrets. I know people don't like to hear that. That's why I'm not looking at your faces. <laughs> I don't want anybody to say, oh, Pastor, you <laughs> so I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> Blame my notes when you see it. At the wedding in Cana in Galilee the people took the risk of being embarrassed but they got wine in the end. They don't know whether if they went there only water would come out. That would have been a big embarrassment. But they inconvenienced themselves. They got wine in the end. I'll stop there. Friends, let us pursue this kingdom. Let us pursue this God. He has never owed any man anything. He has never denied anyone who truly serves him. Keep your heart right. The devil will keep wanting to pollute your heart. Don't allow him, and then keep your focus. As we are going into 2020, God told me, He said, many things that many people will ask for in the new year. Not just in this church, all over the world. Many things that many people will ask God for in the new year. He has already given to them. He has already given them things to do, what they are not doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like Moses standing at the edge of Red Sea up to today. still saying, Lord, this sea, this sea, this sea. And the rod is in his hand. Say, Lord, this sea, this sea, this sea. Oh, That's exactly what many people are doing. And God is saying, just stretch it forth. Or the widow of Zarephath refusing to give Elijah the, the, the portion of her food and say, this poverty will kill us. This poverty will kill us. But when she cooked for the man of God, everything changed. Hallelujah. She not only paid off the debt, she became a businesswoman. God will prosper you. I say God will prosper you in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and let's talk to God.